Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Welcome to part five of this mini-series on food anxiety. I hope that these episodes have brought to light some new ideas and inspiration, guidance and advice on healing our relationship with food, especially when we're also struggling with a chronic illness. In this final part of this mini-series, I'm interviewing Rachel Melinda. She is a Toronto-based certified holistic nutritionist, as well as a disordered and emotional eating coach who helps women heal their relationship to food and their body. I am so honored to have Rachel on the show today, and I can't wait for you all to listen. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to Healing Uncensored. Super excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I want to hear a little bit more about you. It's our first time having a conversation, so I'd love to hear about your relationship with food and your own healing journey. Yeah, so my journey started from a young age, and so I think I was about maybe 13, grade five, I'd always just been very health conscious. And I guess that's just, I thought that's who I was. Um, I actually had an eating disorder when I was in grade eight and it was very short lived, but that followed by what I call a 10 year career in disordered eating essentially. So 
And disordered eating is different from an eating disorder. An eating disorder would be like anorexia, bulimia, that sort of thing. Whereas disordered eating is that constant starting fresh on Monday and like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get my shit together. Um, constantly restricting and depriving and trying to control food. So that really went on for 10 years and it, it might've been rooted in a number of things. I mean, I've always, I'm tall, I'm 5'11". And so, but people would refer to me as like, they'd say, oh, you're so big instead of saying you're so tall. And so I'm like, please don't say that. <laughs> so I've always been a little self-conscious in that way. I'm also a twin. And as a twin, you compare a lot. My twins always had that like wicked metabolism, small frame. And so there's always this like comparison thing going on. So that's always kind of been rooted in me. Um, I'm a perfectionist by nature. So that kind of I mean, I took these healthy habits and took them to the extreme, right? Which, I mean, there's a name for it now, orthorexia. So it, it kind of started there and then continued into a university where I guess my binging got pretty bad. So I was living with roommates at the time and like getting home to an empty house was like a dream because I was like, I can eat all the things, right? It was kind of like where my mind would just stop and I would just be, I would go into this zone. I can't even describe it. And I haven't been there since, thank God. But it was a repetitive thing where I would just like eat all the things. I would eat my roommate's food and like make it look perfect as if I hadn't touched it. Um, and I just remember like that this was kind of the end point of that. Um, I remember like falling to the floor and just bawling and being like, when is this going to end? Like, I can't live like this, right? And shortly after I moved home after university and my mom started making more of my food. And so for the first time I was eating whole foods. And also for the first time, I was like, wow, I'm actually full and feel satiated because I was thriving on, on like aspartame filled everything, right? And not actually feeling satiated, always eating half of things because God forbid you eat the whole thing. So just always feeling very empty. And so I think that was kind of a turning point for me, eating more whole foods. Um, at the same time, I also started doing CrossFit. And so and if you've ever been into a CrossFit gym, you'll notice there's no mirrors. So the whole aesthetic sort of goal is completely taken away and the focus is on what can your body do today that it couldn't do yesterday um and that was super awesome because you're always i mean you're just discovering that you are a superhuman right and you're surprising yourself in all the things that you can do and so snowball that was kind of like a little snowball effect and um i mean i guess here i am mm -hmm. that's amazing um when there's someone i'm sure there's people listening who are probably in the thick of it, you know, and they're, they have this relationship with food that just really doesn't feel good right now. Uh, how do you pull yourself out of that? Or where do you go? Or where did you go to start looking for help um, to start to get out of this mindset of like, food is just a blanket for all your emotions? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say like, I'm self healed, but I kind of am because I think I healed myself just by going through all that shit, right? Because I, when I was in it, I didn't know anything was wrong. Like I didn't know, I didn't have a label for it. Now I can say, oh, that was disordered eating. Whereas I just thought that was normal. And even with my clients now, like I had a client that was 50 years old and um, in our discovery call, she broke down crying and was like, I just discovered I've been disordered eating my whole life and didn't even realize it. So people don't even recognize that it's something out of the norm. And so that can make it hard to actually seek help and um, see that there's a solution for it because we're, we're only taught that like in order to control, there's a lot of like societal influences to be a certain way. And in order to be that way, we're only taught to control food and to control exercise, right? But I mean, there's so many layers to that, but that's just, it's just not the answer, right? 
Um, and in that we're taught to like restrict and deprive and cut calories. And again, that's just not the answer. So I think, um, I think it's great that like a lot of people are coming out with their stories now. I know I, I follow a lot of people who are doing similar work as me and they share their story very openly on social media. And that's what I've started doing. And so people who are in the thick of it will reach out to me being like, thank you for writing that. I needed that message today or wow, I didn't even realize I was going through that. So I think that's, that's a great kind of segue to start getting out of it. And um, I mean, there's a lot more, I think things are changing too. Like society's changing. Um, we're welcoming all sizes of bodies. There's this body positivity movement. So I think that that's going to really help things change too. Yeah. I was just, I had this visualization as you were talking that I think that you're right. That like, especially even the Instagram world gets so, you know, filtered. Right. And um, it's funny because I've noticed in my own like marketing and my own posts that the posts that I have of me with like out any makeup on, selfie in the bathroom, literally like five times as many likes as the picture that is professionally taken and like edited. And I'm like, oh my God, I look so beautiful in that picture. But people are like, no, like I get like a hundred likes on that. Right. One of me showing my melasma and my bit of Lego and like, you know, all these things that I saw is so imperfect and horrible for so long. Everyone sees as authentic, authentic right? It's like totally. The real you is, is coming forward. The real me is coming forward in that post. And people appreciate that. And I think that it, to speak to what you were saying, just you sharing your own story, it also allows us to see that we're not alone. Uh, and we're not alone in this struggle with food, disordered eating, eating disorders. Um, and that, that there is more people out there that are struggling in a similar way, maybe not the same exact way, but, but struggling as well. Um, did you feel like you had a community when you were healing or do you feel like maybe now you're craving that community uh, and like what is even I'm just thinking about after healing that so where you are in your own life like just going out to eat and all that stuff now social life now in your life do you ever get triggered by that yeah so I think like I think that was the thing I didn't have the community in that tribe around me before and if anything I had people that were just kind of reaffirming it right so that like they were always commenting on their weight and always dieting too and I mean when someone who is physically smaller than you comments on how like how they feel fat or don't feel good in their body you kind of look at yourself and you're like well what the hell's wrong with like I must be a shit show then right um so I mean that was very much like in um I guess university and around that time like I just I think we were all kind of in the thick of it like I don't want to put the blame on anyone but like it's very much like a discovery period where you're kind of um you're still seeking approval from external sources and you don't know how to find that from within yet and um i guess there's that whole like people pleasing aspect now i would say it's a complete opposite where i've really strived to um, build my community and my tribe and surround myself with people that do do kind of um communicate the same message and that inspire me to be okay with my body too um, so like when I, even, so like, if you mentioned like going out for dinner now, like I love doing that and I'll deliberately go out for dinner with people who love to eat. <laughs> like, if you're like, like, I don't want to go out for dinner with someone that's going to be like all diety, you know? And if anything, um, I mean, that's not always going to, I'm not always going to have control over that, 
but what I do is try to navigate the conversation. And that's what I tell my clients too. These dieting triggers are always going to be there because people are on their own journeys and you can't control that. But what you can do is you can change the conversation. You cannot give into the diet culture and what they're doing. And I mean, so for example, if someone were to say like, oh, this chocolate cake must be so bad for me you can change the conversation and be like, it's actually really good. I'm actually really enjoying this. I can't remember the last time I had chocolate cake this good, right? So as not to kind of feed into that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I know you don't work specifically with people with chronic illness or autoimmune disease. Have you ever worked with anyone who's been through like elimination diet or anything like that? I actually haven't. Um, but I mean, I'm open to working with clients that, that are going through that. And that's kind of where things not get tricky, but it's, it's different, right? Because it's not so much like, oh, I can't have this food because it's going to make me gain weight. It's like, no, I can't have this food because it's going to lead to a flare up or something. Right. And, and actually cause a physical issue. And so what I'd recommend is, I mean, even for the clients that I work with now is always bringing back to how does this make me feel? And that's going to uh, reaffirm your, your why and your purpose, your reasoning for eating certain foods and not eating certain foods. So, I mean, for me, I love ice cream, but I know it makes me like have the worst farts of life, right? So I, I know that. So I can be like, you know what? I can pass on the ice cream just this time. I mean, not all the time. Sometimes I'll be like, you know what? The farts are worth it. Um, <laughs> but sometimes like I'll pass because I'm like, I don't want to feel that way after, right? And that's what I would recommend to um, people that are listening to this is like, bring it back to how does it make me feel? Because if you know it doesn't feel good, it's not going to be hard to cut out that food, right? It's whereas when you are, when, if I were to say, oh, I can't have the ice cream because it's going to make me gain weight, you almost build a novelty around it. Now it becomes this like forbidden fruit that you start thinking about it all the time because it's like that untouchable thing that you can't have. Yeah. And then you kind of obsess over it, right? Whereas like if it's your choice and you believe in it and you are happy about it, then it will kind of be easier to um, eliminate if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's kind of like two categories that we're kind of, you know, sort of defining here, which is, um, so I'm thinking about when I had had really had to stop eating gluten because I realized and was diagnosed with celiac disease. Right. So that was really hard for me to cut out because I really enjoyed the taste of pizza. Right. Um, but then being a, a, a rebel, I kept eating it, even though I knew I had celiac disease in the very beginning, because I didn't even know celiac disease was an autoimmune disease when I was diagnosed, like crazy times. And um, what I learned and intuitively felt in my body was then I ate that piece of pizza and I felt like fucking hell, like it was horrible. And I was like, you know what? I don't want gluten ever again, ever, ever, ever again, because it's not worth it in my body. So there's that where it's like, this makes me feel horrible. It's, it's causing inflammation in my body. It's creating flares in my body versus let's say chocolate, like um, a piece of dark chocolate, right? That might be labeled as like a cheat food or, or too indulgent or something, right? And um, that doesn't make me feel bad. Chocolate in no way or shape or form makes me feel crappy. So, you know, eating that food or, or putting it in, like you said, that for making it or fit or forbidden fruit is really just like, what's the word? Like tormenting myself, right? Totally. Yeah. It's, I mean, you think you're doing so much 
so much good by controlling it. And that's why I say like self-control and willpower doesn't really exist because like you, we have biological desires, right? Like that's, you're kind of playing a mental game with yourself and you're setting yourself up for failure, right? So I actually say to clients, as a nutritionist, I say, you know what, have the ice cream. Because when you do that, you are, like, if you really want it, you're going to eat it, you're going to enjoy it, you're going to feel satiated, then you're going to move on. As opposed to having that food, or sorry, not allowing yourself to have that ice cream, and then maybe thinking about it for hours or days, or maybe it's just one night, and you're like, hey, I'll have like a, a like banana frozen nice cream instead, because that's healthier. And then you're like, that didn't do it. So I'm going to go eat some chips. I'm going to go eat eat this. And then sure enough, you're back at the ice cream, you know, just have the ice cream to begin with. If it makes you feel good, right? Always bring it back to how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about dieting. Um, I remember seeing in some of your bio that, you know, dieting is not the answer. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially when we're dieting, our body doesn't know that we're dieting because our body thinks primitively. So it perceives that as a famine. All of a sudden, we're not receiving the calories that we're used to, the calories that we need to support our, um, our, our basic needs, right? And so our body is going to respond to that by actually making us want food more and look for food, right? So in the past, it would, it would and it still does this now, it's going to cause us to increase our hunger hormones like ghrelin to actually make us seek out food or crave foods. So if, if someone's been dieting and restricting for a while, and maybe they're eating less calories than usual, that's going to happen. And so they might find that, okay, they're on track and they're doing it, but then like, they're going to kind of, everything is going to go to shits, right? And they're going to eat all the things and they perceive that as, oh, I don't have any willpower, but it's like, no, your body is actually hungry. It's, it's looking for food. Um, and that's another thing with hunger. A lot of people think hunger is a bad thing. We've been taught to suppress hunger by chewing gum, drinking coffee, chugging water before a meal, because uh, God forbid that we eat, right? But um, hunger is very much, again, it's a biological signal. It's saying my body needs food right now. And so what I really teach my clients is to trust that. Even sometimes, and like that can be hard at first, because again, we've been taught not to trust that. Um, and we're used to, even society set up for us to eat at certain times. So if you had breakfast at seven and you find you're hungry at 10, that can be very confusing for someone. Cause they're like, why am I hungry? I just had breakfast, but hey, maybe you had a killer workout or maybe you're menstruating. Like there could be so many other things that your body, your body doesn't lie, right? So what I recommend instead of dieting is to eat intuitively. Cause again, so what intuitive eating is, it's, it's honoring and listening to your body's needs and the signals that it gives you. Um, including your hunger signals. So it's eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, honoring your cravings. Sometimes, and cravings aren't always like chocolate cake and ice cream. Sometimes, I don't know if you felt this, but like sometimes you just want like a kale salad or like I know I was, um, I was traveling in Colombia back in June and um, we were eating like arepas and a lot of fried foods, foods that I don't typically eat. But I was like, you know what? When in Rome sort of thing, I'm traveling, I want to experience the culture. But I came back and I was like, I, I made a massive salad. I was like, this is what my body wants and needs right now. And I'm going to honor that. So, I mean, there's studies that actually say, say that um, eating intuitively and honoring your body signals is actually more effective than, than dieting, right? There's actually no long-term studies that show that dieting supports long-term weight loss. Um, and then also changing the conversation about like the fact that 
um, someone in a thinner body isn't necessarily healthier than someone in a bigger body, right? And that's what the health at every size movement says. Um, so I really try to educate on that and just, I mean, help people find more comfort in the skin that they're in, um, as opposed to going to such extreme measures to overhaul their whole life and constantly feel at war with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, are really bringing me back right now because I now intuitive eating is easy for me. So I literally just eat whenever I'm hungry and I don't feel guilty about it. And I, you know, I eat, I eat very specific foods based on my lab tests and um, my own personal healing journey. But within that, whenever I'm hungry, this girl eats. Yeah. (laughs) Stop when I'm full. But it did not used to be that way. And sometimes when you are so used to a new routine, you forget where you came from. And I'm really remembering where I came from in this moment. I'm thinking about like seventh and eighth grade even, and how I definitely would label food as too indulgent or this will make me fat. You know, I just this is like a preteen girl talking, right? And I would go for runs around the neighborhood because I thought, you know, God forbid I became fat and labeled myself that way. And I was so, so mean to myself and I wouldn't let myself finish anything like you, you were saying where it's like, God forbid you finish the whole donut and like you must only eat half. And there was so much of that inner talk that just was very like self-hatred and um, this feeling of restriction and lack and um, never fulfilling that I came from uh, that is just all surfacing for me right now going, you know, I forgot that it was really, really bad at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taken a lot to get to where I am today. So I'm sure there's people listening who are going, you know, but my lab test says this, or my doctor says this, or I have celiac disease and I can't eat gluten. And we're not disregarding that when we're talking, but um, maybe from your perspective, Rachel, how can people and more specifically, more specifically women listening to this show um, still reach some of their health goals without feeling like they have to be restricted or on this like lack diet? Yeah. So when I'm working with clients, like, I mean, I wear this holistic nutrition hat and then I also wear this emotional eating disorder, eating coach hat, both of which are very different, right? Nutrition comes with rules. It says you're either doing right. You're being doing it right. And you're being healthy or you're doing it wrong. And you're being unhealthy. Whereas emotional eating and disorder eating healing says eat all the things, right? Like let's fuck the rules for two seconds and recognize that all those rules haven't been serving you. So the way I work with clients is I actually save nutrition for the last part because quite honestly, a lot of people know a lot about nutrition already. It's the, the problem isn't because we don't know enough. It's almost because we know too much and it's like paralyzing and overwhelming. So I start by breaking down, um, breaking down the diet mentality. What are your current influences and why do you keep turning to dieting? And let's look at how dieting has served you or how it hasn't because we Ultimately, if we want to become more intuitive eaters and make peace with food and just enjoy food freely, we need to understand that dieting is no longer an option and and it's not the answer. We then move on from there and um, I teach my clients to understand their hunger signals, how to make peace with food and find foods that you actually enjoy. A lot of people aren't actually eating foods they genuinely enjoy and they're like, oh, I'm just eating this because I feel like I should or because it will make me lose weight. So we bring it back and we look at, okay, what foods do you genuinely enjoy? What foods make you feel good? Let's find a connection there and bring those foods in. Um, and so I take people through like a series. I mean, this work goes on 
um, over a series of months, right? And that's because, I mean, you have to think of like, how long have you been dieting for, right? It's going to take some time to unpack that and put the new ideas into place and practice them, bring them into your new life. And so finally, we touch upon the last, I guess, chapter is um, bringing in the nutrition. So kind of basic things to help people feel good. So I, I personally found that managing my blood sugar has been like life changing in terms of how I feel. And I think people often think managing your blood sugar is just a thing for diabetics. <laughs> but I mean, we all have blood sugar. It still affects us in the same way. Um, so I think like that's super important. So I'll, I'll teach people how to um, really optimize their breakfast based upon foods that they enjoy. And okay, what can we include here um, from a nutritional standpoint to make you feel really good? How can we up the protein and fat to keep your blood sugar, blood sugar levels stable all day long? Um, and so kind of like take them through um, different strategies like that. But first we have to really unpack um, where are they at now and um, what are their goals? Like a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, I want to lose 25 pounds. I used to be 25 pounds less and um, I just want to get back there. And what I kind of dig at is like, okay, but what's really there? What are you actually chasing? Because you've been there before, you've been 25 pounds lighter and you still aren't happy. So what exactly are you chasing? I think that's really important when understanding our health goals and usually there is something more deep rooted there yeah now when you talk about i'm just curious about this um when you talk about like tracking blood sugar and, and keeping that pretty balanced throughout the day um do you use like those little machines you can buy to track it and, and um, test the different levels or i'm sure there's more details that you go over with your clients but like the basic of it could you yeah it's, it's more a bit like generic so i don't use like any measuring tools it's more so knowing how the body works and so i mean like if we start our day with a very high carbohydrate breakfast we're kind of spiking our blood sugar first thing in the morning even if it's like oatmeal yes oatmeal has fiber which is going to slow the release of glucose into the bloodstream, but it's still going to give you a spike and that's going to lead to a crash shortly after. So what I try to do is keep that, um, keep the blood sugar level stable all day long to stabilize energy, um, hormones. And even from, I don't like to make weight the focus, but from a weight management standpoint, that can also be super important. So, and also people respond differently to certain foods. Like I, I knew I had a blood sugar. Well, I didn't know that it was a blood sugar issue initially, but I knew i had something wrong because I would eat, I would eat a bowl of ice, uh, not ice cream, um, oatmeal, and I'd feel drunk after. It was like too much. And so what I've, and what I've learned is that I need to start my day with more protein and fat. So like an eggy breakfast with a bit of sweet potato and avocado is awesome for me. And so again, that's what I bring it back to for my clients. I'm like, let's see what you thrive on because maybe that oatmeal works really well for you. I mean, we're all different. So that's what I'm really trying to find and honor. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important for us to bring that up. It's just that each person's body is so unique and so different and that the, even the suggestions that are coming up today may work for some people and may not work for other people uh, and that we have to listen to our body. Like, I think we forget that our body is so wise and it has so many answers and those symptoms that we try to push away are actually beautiful messages and little alarms or um, you know, sirens going off telling us like that, that was good or we don't like this or we love that or we want more of this. So we, we forget to listen to our body so much. Totally, totally. So if someone is on a protocol 
and they completely, you know, air quotes over here, like screw up whatever protocol they may be on for eating. Um, let's say they ate a few donuts or something. Um, not even a few, like maybe it was just one and they're still feeling super guilty about that one donut. How, how can we still be loving to ourselves after we feel like we've screwed up? That's a great question. And because I mean, I mean, ultimately that can happen when you're following a protocol that might feel a bit restrictive because it's new, maybe not what you're used to. So what I advise is to approach that instead of judgment as, as curiosity. So maybe look at it and say, okay, I ate that donut. Maybe like, why did I eat it? Or if like, if you're emotional eating, like maybe, or maybe you had a bit of a binge, right? Maybe you did eat a lot of things and um, you got to that point again. So I would say, instead of approaching yourself with that judgment and criticism, which kind of creates that cycle of, okay, judgment, criticism, feeling the need to restrict and deprive, but then that leads to a binge again and we stay stuck in that cycle. Instead of that, why don't you approach it with curiosity and try to understand and bring awareness to, okay, what, what triggered that situation, right? Maybe that binge was rooted in a super stressful day or something, an imbalance in relationships or, or friendships in your life or career-wise, you know? And so I really try to get, get people to bring awareness to that to, to understand, right? Because there's always, it's, it's never about the food. With eating disorders, with just disordered eating, it's never about the food. It's always something more deep-rooted. So approach it with curiosity and love the shit out of yourself, right? I mean, we know, I'm, and I actually, no, I want to say like, love yourself, but also just give, because sometimes it's going to be hard to love yourself, but at least give yourself that self-respect. We need to start with that foundation because starting in a deficit of always criticizing yourself is always going to keep us stuck. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that was really beautifully said. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Is there anything else that you feel like we didn't get to or the audience listeners need to need to hear or know or something, anything that has been like unclear that you want to make sure you get your message across? Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like we've covered a lot of it. I think, I guess what I'd want to clarify is that I think some people think that intuitive eating or loving your body means giving up because we've been taught for so long to control things if we want to change it. But in fact, simply loving and accepting what is, is the answer to start a happy, strong relationship with our body and with food. And we need, again, we need to start from that, that foundation of self-respect. So I guess I'd leave you guys with that. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. So where can our listeners find and learn more about you? So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook and Twitter, pretty more so active on Instagram at Rachel M. Melinda um, and also rachelmmelinda.com. Um, I have tons of blogs that go every week and a newsletter, recipes. Um, so lots of goodness there. Awesome. I'll put all those links in the show notes for our listeners to go click on and come follow your journey and all the amazing offers that you put out into the world. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am beyond honored to hold this space for you, to create this content for you, and to stimulate our brains and make us think in a different way, including me. This podcast has shifted the way I have thought as well. And 
If there's anything that you took away from this episode or any other episode, I would be so honored and grateful if you would share that with me on social media, either through a personal message or put it in your Instagram story, tag autoimmune tribe, and know that we're in this together, that this is truly a community, that our paths are interwoven for a reason, and that we get this beautiful opportunity to come together for the greater healing of all of our unique bodies. So if you loved this episode or any of the other episodes of the Healing Uncensored podcast, please share them with a friend, a loved one, an acquaintance. You never, never know whose life you might be impacting or changing with just a simple share. That's all for now, tribe. I will see you next time. Have a beautiful rest of your day. I love you so much.